I think when I think about my creative passion, a word that comes to mind is artistic. Um, mm. And it's it's maybe a word that I haven't always thought about to describe what I do. But lately, um, I've been reading a book called The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. Um, and it's basically a book for creatives. And in this book, he, there's just so many gems that he drops, but it's just made me realize that like, we're all creators, we're all creative. And when we create, we become artists. Um, mm. And so that's probably the word I would use to uh, to describe myself. But now that you say that, I'm curious, what would you say is like your word? My word? See, yeah. Y'all keep doing this to me, all y'all. Because every, <laughs> every person I interview uh, who's a creator has also done interviews. And they uh, always exactly, say, exactly. <laughs> they always say, well, what's yours? Right. Um, I would say mine's is determination. Mm. Um, some of it comes from, uh, from what I hear, me and being spoiled as a child. Yep. Uh, Cause I know what I want and I know how I like it and when I want it, but I've, I've done that in a lot of ways, right? When I have a creative idea, uh, even when I used to rap, mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to start and not finish. Like mm-hmm. it all had to flow at the same exact time. Yeah. Even if it was just a basic idea that I could go back and tweak. Yep. Um, I was just always determined to take that thought or that energy or that feeling and put it to paper or put it to tape yep. um, so I could hear it, right? Because it was yep. in my head and now it's out. So uh, I think for me, that word would be determination. That's a great word. I, I like that. I think it's, uh, when I, I, I think that word could be paralleled with a lot of other words that I think are, it's cool that I think a lot of the words that you're using to describe ourselves are stuff that I think have like positive benefits. So it's like, you're saying like, right. if you're determined, like I think some of like the the characteristics or offshoots or um, the symptoms of like that for where I think are like more often positive than not. So I think that's like a great word to have. So let me ask you this, where are you originally from? So originally I was actually born in uh, Zimbabwe. Uh, but I've been uh, in the United States for about 17 years now. About 16 of those years were spent in Atlanta. And uh, now my wife and I live in L.A. So going back to your early years, is there a memory of oh, your earliest memory of you doing something creative? You know, it's it's so funny that you asked that because I haven't always considered myself to be like a creative person. Um, Mm -hmm. I've always just assumed like my dad was an entrepreneur. His dad was an entrepreneur. I've also just always had like an affinity for business. So I, you know, like by day, like my day job is like, I'm a project manager, which is very like numbers and timelines. So I've always just assumed that like, I'm not creative. I'm a more business person. And you hear a lot of people say stuff like that. Like, oh, I'm a business person or I'm a creative person or I'm an artist or I'm a, you know, whatever it may be. It wasn't until recently that I started to realize that like, oh, snap, like, I actually think I might be creative. Um, <laughs> right, right. The book I referenced with uh, Rick Rubin, one of the things he says is that like everyone is a creative and even just like uh, creativity is not something that just happens when you're drawing. But if you think about how you're going to get home and the most creative way to get home to avoid traffic, that is like creativity, right? Uh, right. And so when you think about the ways in which we solve problems, that is, you know, one of the ways that we can become creative. And so Recently is when I started to realize that I'm a creative and I'm trying to embrace that and own that more. Um, And I'm feeling empowered about it because to me, Mm. creativity is just sort of like, yo, there's no rules.
rules. If you had to do this like there was no rules, how would you do it? Um, and what I'm realizing is the way that I would do things might be better than the way that other people do things. And so I feel empowered, I think, to become a creator. Hmm. Now, was there something early on in your childhood uh, that told you you were going to go into business even beyond just having to be something that your family did? I think part of it was that I liked solving problems. Um, and so that was like my first, the thing that I realized like um, I would get to do if I was an entrepreneur. So as a very young kid, one of the things I started doing when I came from Zimbabwe was um, I would go around my neighborhood and start taking out people's trash. And I was actually, I was racking up some like good money. Like I was making at least like, $30 a day, easy charging two, $3 for trash. And I was right. doing that every single day. So like, I, I, I realized like the people I was doing this for, they really appreciated it, but also I got to make money and I was like rewarded. And so that was my first instance realizing like, oh, like this feels really, really good. Um, yeah. as I got older, just sort of, uh, evolved. Yeah. It's kind of like, you has your own business, right? Right. Yeah. Then and there, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. And so it's been for me, I think, um, I now view like entrepreneurship and creativity as kind of one and the same. Um, I mean, what, what's been your experience like running a podcast? Um, because I think that's something that is also like creative, like it's something that we do as creatives, but it's also like a business too. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly why I wanted you on the show, man, because there is a business to it. So originally I entered uh, Morgan State University as a business marketing major. And um, in a lot of ways, right, marketing is creativity, yeah. right? coming up with all these ideas to, uh, you know, expand the reach of a product or whatever it may be. Right. Um, yep. And I like that. And uh, but I had a, a strong affinity for music and mm -hmm. I felt like, well, if I'm going to work, you know, after college, I'd rather be for something that I do without a textbook. Right. Yep. Like than to uh, try to shoehorn myself into something that I think fits, which I think I still am a business marketing major, just not by degree. Mm -hmm. uh, but the passion was always there. So I know exactly what you mean. And that, that was one of the things that attracted me to what you're doing, because for those listening, you know, we're talking about creatives and creating and podcasts uh, and business. Mm -hmm. But this brother has a passion and empowering creators of color. So you start to embrace being a creator. But what made you want to make a business out of this to help others? Yeah, that's I, I that's such a great question. And I think the truth is I'm just passionate about it. Um, and so I get a lot of fulfillment on like you know, helping other people, putting other people on. Uh, and so um, maybe like a year and a half ago, I'd be creating content on TikTok and I'd find out mm -hmm. about all these amazing opportunities and I'd talk to other creators about it and be like, hey, did you know this thing is going on? Um, so like one thing, for example, that happened last year is um, HubSpot, the marketing software, they were giving podcasters um, roughly $1,000 a month to um, create, their, just continue doing their podcasts as normal, but they were going to pay you $1,000 a month. You had to do it like once a week. I forgot like the requirements and stuff. 
But to right. me, and there was no threshold. So this wasn't for like big podcasts. There was no minimum downloads. Oh, wow. um, so to me, this sounded like just like an amazing opportunity. And as I would tell like other creators, like, hey, do you know about this thing HubSpot is doing? Or do you know about this thing someone else is doing? And they just wouldn't know about it. And so I, I, I felt like there was just a huge opportunity to create content, um, just showing people some of the resources that were naturally just out there specifically for creators of color and even more specifically for like black creators. Um, and that's just like something I'm passionate about. Like that doesn't even feel like work to me. That just feels like, oh, I'm like, I'm helping my friends. Right. Um, and so right, there's, right. you know, there's such a huge opportunity for that. And even now it's like, when I go to like a lot of the events I go to at these large conferences, there's like not that many black people. There's just like, right. I think a huge opportunity, not only to bring black people with us, but also just to like create our own spaces. Trust me, brother. I totally agree. <laughs> I've been in some of those rooms. Right. Um, this podcast is kind of result of yeah. being around some of that and and seeing, yeah. um, you know, witnessing podcasts where you like, I could create that for us. Yeah, exactly. do the same thing. You know what I mean? And I think, Stephen, though, but I think some people... I think when you think about the fact that like, if you go somewhere, you may be the only black person in a sea full of other creators. I think for mm -hmm. some people that can be off-putting, that can feel right. uncomfortable. And, and I, I get why it does. I mean, what's been your experience as like somebody that's a podcaster and trying to get into the creator space as like a, a black person? Well, I mean, to be honest, for me, it's, it's, it's easy because, um, and you know, it may not be for others, but for me, it's a little easy. One, because of my background in radio, you know, I have over uh, 25 plus years in broadcast radio. And um, even though I've predominantly worked at predominantly black organizations as far as the makeup of the staff, at an early age, you know, I was the type of person who was moved from school to school where I was always new. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know everybody. Right. All, all your friends went to the other school and now you're going to this one. Right. So, you know, regardless of color, I was always like. Basically solo trying to make friends and blah, blah, blah. So I'm comfortable in those environments where I'm the only person, uh, mm -hmm. you know, of, of color. Yeah. Or even even at my age. Right. You know, like I'm I'm fine with that because I'm there for a reason. So, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and I, I hear you. I, I feel like it sounds like just throughout all of like the experiences you've had in your life, I think they've kind of prepared you to have the level of comfort that you have now. Um, right. and I think that that definitely, um, helps set you apart and, and gives you an advantage, I think. Yeah. And I, and again, I think there's a, a parallel between you telling me about taking the trash out in your neighborhood and you helping people. Mm -hmm. helping creators right because you were helping people right i mean yep. if it's time to take out my trash and shorty <laughs> up the block is gonna help me right you know and i gotta give him a little change i don't mind paying that you know puts a little yep. money in his pocket you know he's doing a good thing for a good service yep. for the neighborhood so i i see the the parallels there now did you what made you pick this business over any other business? Yeah, I think for me, it was simple. I got into um, podcasting around, I started listening to podcasts in 2015. Um, I created my first podcast in 2018. And throughout that time, I just kind of felt like 
this is like the best possible medium you could be in. It's like, it allows you to you listen to content. You could be doing other stuff. Like I would listen when I was at my job, I would listen for several hours at a time. And I just couldn't think of another medium like YouTube or Hulu or Netflix that would allow me to do that. So I was, mm-hmm. I've been obsessed with podcasting for a while. And I just think the industry is so new and so early that there's so much opportunity And my goal every single day is just to shout that from the rooftops as loud as possible so that as many people as possible start podcasts. Um, I think in five years, it'll be completely different. And so I just think there's a big opportunity right now. I'm glad you said that because that segues into my next question, which is, do, do you follow the statistics as it relates to podcast listening? Obviously, there was podcast listening before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. during the pandemic and after the pandemic and how has those peaks and valleys shaped what you do yeah that's such a great question so i think before the pandemic podcast listening was increasing already it just wasn't increasing as fast as it did during the pandemic during the pandemic it definitely took off for sure and doubled and quadrupled because everyone was at home um Mm -hmm. and it's so funny because i think a lot of people thought that podcast listening was going to decrease because a lot of people listen to podcasts in their car um but podcasting increased uh significantly during the pandemic and even now that we're transitioning out of the pandemic um podcast listening has continued to increase so for instance from last year to this year or even from like 2021 to 2022 we've seen an increase and podcast listenership, but we've seen a decrease in the number of podcasts being created. And so a lot Mm -hmm. of people, this statistic was very popular at the beginning of this year, but I actually think that this is like a really, really good thing. This basically means that there's less competition if you're a podcaster, but there's more opportunity for people that could listen to your show. So it's the best possible scenario, if you ask me. You know, I like to think it leaves room for the best work. Yep. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, before it was just like, hey, let's create a podcast about pizza and, and, you know, people would do it. Yeah. Uh, But there's, you know, there's some fatigue with that when you have a million podcasts to choose from as a listener. Yep. One thousand percent. You know, now it kind of files it down to um, the, the best of the best and what people deem to be the best use of their time as far as listening. Yep. But do do you think that that is like, because like, we don't say that about music, right? Like we don't say it, it as many people that want to create music or become artists, we're okay with that. But sometimes it feels like with podcasting, people have mm-hmm. like an extra microscope and they feel like, you know, we need to like um, police uh, right. how many podcasts or what quality of podcasts or what the podcasts talk about. Um, but when it comes to like music, when it comes to books, when it comes to movies, we like, we don't care. It's just like, Hey, create what you want to create. It's crazy because it's sort of like the gift and the curse, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking YouTube as well as podcasting, YouTube shows, I should say, as well as podcasting as a professional, you know, there are things I point out right away about audio podcast or video podcast that, I know aren't standard. And then there's a part of me as a person that just consumes content. Well, if you're just in your room with a curtain, Mm -hmm. but you're doing some boxing talk that relates to me, I don't really care about your presentation. Mm -hmm. I'm really only there for the content. I think that's what caused the number of people to say, well, if he could do that or she could do that, I can do that. Me and my friends could get together. We can buy the microphones and 
talk and kind of emulate what we've heard from other podcasts. Uh, but as you said, you know, with less podcasts being created now, I think the standard of quality is being raised as a result. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So I'm, I'm also looking at uh, your bio and it says over 3000 people have completed his podcast course. Tell me about your podcast course. Yeah. So in uh, this is actually a, a pretty crazy story, but um, about maybe eight, a year ago, maybe or seven months ago, um, LinkedIn reached out to me and said, hey, we want to create this podcast course and we would love it if like you could like lead it. And I was like, oh, perfect. I've been wanting to do a course. Now I get to partner with them to do it. This is like fantastic. So we worked together, created the course. Um the whole process maybe took like six months just to create. Um, and the course finally came out mm. in February of 2020, 23. And um, it's been just crazy to see each time someone <laughs> completes the course, I get a message on LinkedIn saying so-and-so has like completed your course. Um, and so it's just been crazy to see how many people have gone through and uh, completed the course within the first, I think like 90 days or six, actually 60 days of it launching um, mm -hmm. about 3000 people had went through it. I'm not sure what it's at now, but um, it's just crazy to see that that many people have taken the course and it's encouraging because like, I get my whole goal is how many people can start a podcast? That is like my entire goal. I don't necessarily right. care how long you do it for or that it's even a career because I look at it kind of like you may do it and do a season and then decide podcasting is not for me. And to me, that's still a win. Like I got you to try right. it. I got you to do it. Um, hopefully other opportunities come about from it. Um, and so it's just been encouraging. Uh, last, last thing I'll say about this is um, for me, I have been maybe like unqualified on paper, right? Like I don't have like a college degree um, mm -hmm. for a lot of the opportunities I do. If you're just judging me based on like paper, mm -hmm. I'm not the most qualified candidate. But um, my podcast has served as another source of um, uh, validation. It's almost worked as like a portfolio for me, right? There's lots of people right. that listen to my podcast that gives me opportunities. And because they've listened to my podcast, they're not asking for additional validation. They just assume like I'm I'm if 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 you're as true as you are in the podcast, I'm going to give you the opportunity. And so I just hope that the true the same is true for like other people that this podcast can be a, a source of other opportunities for them. Oh, absolutely. And I, th I think your work speaks for itself, right? Your experience kind of shines through and, you know, even just watching a video clip of, of you sharing information um, qualifies you in my book just by, cause I mean, I think I watched something and I was like, well, let me write that down. Cause I need to, <laughs> I, I need to note that for, you know, my podcast. Yeah. I appreciate that. How do you, do you find it difficult to kind of keep up with with the trends as it relates to podcasts? And what do you think about AI? Mm, that's such a great question. Um, so I think the first part of the question is like, I think keeping up, um, we live in a world where there's so much information. And the one thing that's harder than keeping up with information is being inundated with too much information. And so mm -hmm. for me, I think the way in which you stay abreast of like everything you need to know is to focus on like to, to pick an area of focus. So for example, for me, when I first started, it was like, 
can I report everything that's happening in podcasting? Can I talk about video podcasting? Can I talk about Twitter? Can I talk about YouTube podcasting? It's just too much. And so what mm. I've done now is just like hyper focus, right? So, you know, people come to me because they know I talk about podcasting. I'm not going to tell you what's happening on Twitter. I don't know what's happening on YouTube that much. Sometimes I'll report about it, but for the most part, I'm ultra focused on podcasting. And so when you look at it that way, there's actually very few like sources of information. And so to me, mm -hmm. it never feels overwhelming. And I'm able to dissect as information comes through. I The only question I ask myself is like, why is this important and why should I care? And more times mm -hmm. than not, if I can't answer that question, I don't need to be dealing with it. And that's something I've had to ask myself a lot with AI because you know there's at least 40 or 50 different AI platforms just for podcasters alone. Like if you wanted a platform that could write your show notes, your title, yeah. your clips, <laughs> there's everything, right. right? And so there's almost too much, right? And so it's like, for me, I have to ask myself as I'm researching these AI tools, can this specific tool help me? If so, how? And if not, maybe I'll take a break and come back later just so that it doesn't feel like I'm being overwhelmed with information. Yeah, I feel you because uh, at the Podcast Movement uh, yep. Evolutions Conference in uh, Vegas, there was a, a panel discussion, you know, that kind of centered around production mm -hmm. um, and in the use of AI. And some of that was radio broadcasting, but obviously it's a podcasting platform so there's production involved yeah um and i i just remember and i could tell right being someone who's produced for radio but also produced for the podcasting world i could tell the old head i'm one of them uh mm -hmm. <laughs> the yeah. old head producers uh -huh. who didn't want to rely on ai for anything right mm -hmm. like i don't i can do my own noise reduction i can do my own sound design blah 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 yeah uh but then there were those who were also uh producers who was like i can't lie it shaved the hour and a half off my mm -hmm. production time just just the the part of it the tedious part of it that yeah. you have to do like just noise reduction yeah having ai do that for you and then maybe you tweak the rest yourself yeah uh have you run into people who oh, wait, have sorry, approached sorry. you like, with that? You mind if I ask you about that real quick? I, yeah, I'm just curious. What, what are your thoughts on AI, specifically for podcasting? Specifically for podcasting. So for those who are listening now, behind the curtain, I've used AI on this podcast you're listening to right now. Mm. And I've only, this was, this was my process to include, because I didn't set out to do that at all. Mm-hmm. But I do, you know, the initial cleanup work, you know, noise reduction and just making sure the mic levels are where I want them and the, the vocal quality is out. And with my first episode, I said, let me see what happens if I just throw this in the AI enhanced software. Mm -hmm. uh, because, for example, the, the my guest had an echo on his voice for some reason. And it was yeah. always at the end. It was never during his entire speech. It was just right at the end. And it was hard to clean that up. I I knew how much time it would take yeah. for me to isolate his vocals and clean it up one by one. Right. I threw it in the software and it cleaned it up. And it sounded like me and him were in a studio wow. face to face. And I, and I was like, okay, well maybe this is the way I use AI, yeah. right? I, I use it to clean up what I don't feel like doing or what I think is going to take me even longer yep. to accomplish. 
Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people have had the same epiphany where it's like, you're kind of skeptical or you might not know how you're going to use it. And then it just helps you out one good time. And you're like, all right, I guess, I guess this will work. <laughs> right, right, right. Then you be kind of become a believer a little bit. Like, right. right. Now I will say this for those listening. The one thing I did notice that you have to be, you still have to be a producer with an air mm-hmm. is in certain instances, it can uh it will clean up things you don't want it to clean up. Yep. And and level out things you needed to be louder uh in an effort to clean whatever the major mistake was. So I sort of had to balance it between what I could clean up and then I would have to if I threw it in the software, I would have to listen to the entire interview just to make sure all the levels were right and it didn't, you know, take out something like laughter. You know, yeah, no, that makes a, a lot of sense. And it's like, I think we haven't even talked about some of the ways where it's like, like I use AI for all of my titles. And so I'll come up with the podcast title on my own, but then I'll put it in chat GPT and I'll say, can you write three better podcast titles for this episode than this? And um, I've been doing that for the last three months and every single time it has come up with a better title than my title each time. <laughs> wow. So I don't know that I'll ever use my own title again. <laughs> right. Right. No, you, you, yeah, absolutely right. Right. Now, what do you think as a creative, what do you think about someone saying, well, then it's not your creative idea or your creative work. You're just using, you know, software to kind of take away from what you could have came up with, like, you know, a better title or whatever. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And I think this is where, say that is the case. I'm okay with that. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of other creators are too. Um, And I think as I think about, I've been thinking about three words, right? And the three words are creative, artist, and creator. And I think that when I think of someone that's an artist, they gen- generally are uh, are someone that feels like, hey, I'm a purist. I believe artist is the highest, most important thing. And when I think about someone that's a creator, generally speaking, they're just someone that has a message they want to get out. They could care less about spending the most time on the art itself. They just want to get their message out. And mm. I kind of lean towards that perspective a little more where it's like, honestly, like, the quality for this doesn't need to be that great. The It doesn't need to be 100% my own idea, not assisted by AI. I'm okay if it's assisted by AI and it's not right. 100% creative. What's most important to me is that, hey, a thousand people listened to this episode and therefore they were impacted by my message. That's a great way to look at it because I, I think by the next podcast movement evolutions conference, I think that conversation or that panel discussion that I witnessed would be a little bit different because there were less people in, well, there were, yeah, there were less people in the room who had already used um, AI, you know, some have used it, you know, through Descript. Yeah. But I'm thinking, you know, it'd be a different conversation come uh, the next one, the next conference. I agree with that. And I think the thing that concerns me is not, I don't think that in the future, the conversation is going to be, hey, what if you use AI a little? I think there's going to be people that feel like I cannot survive without AI. Like my podcast cannot 
there is no podcast if there's no AI. Right, right. That's how like heavily dependent on it we're going to be. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I think that's just like the evolution of where we are. But I think that is like the direction we're, we're heading in. I don't know if you've seen some of these tools where um, you upload your audio, your podcast, and it'll write out like your podcast title, your podcast show notes, an email, a text, a LinkedIn message, everything for your podcast. Wow. Um, and it's not like it's just like, it's not like a transcript. It's not just like copying one-to-one. It's literally writing out a message based on what you were talking about, basically summarizing things, adding things. And so it's like, how do you beat that, right? <laughs> it's saving <laughs> right. you time and it's a better writer. How do you beat that? You you speak in my language because one of the things um, for those out there who, you know, write, produce, host uh, their own podcasts, you're also your own promotions and marketer mm-hmm. and, you know, everything. Yep. And that takes just as much time than it does to, you know, create the thing. Yeah. Um, and, and time and planning, right. And strategy yep. and to have AI take care of some of that for you. Yeah. It's just amazing. So. It is. It is. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think um, just like often when a lot of like, tech tech advancements are made. I think black people normally get the short end of the stick either because we're late to the party or we're late catching up. But this is the first time where I feel like there's a lot of black people that not only understand ChatGPT, they're ChatGPT instructors, they're, you know, encouraging other people to get into it. So this is the first time I feel like we've gotten like a fair start. And so it wouldn't surprise me five years from now if there was like you know, like just innovative chat GBT being used in not even just chat GBT, but just AI across the board being used in mm-hmm. like innovative ways to like better our community. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because that as a person who's into tech, I always find myself mm-hmm. ahead of the curve. But to your point, you know, uh, friends, colleagues uh, of color, yep. you know, uh, are Typically, there's there's something down the line that gets everybody to come aboard. But by then, it's already been around for two years or, yeah. or, some, or even more in some cases. Yep, 1,000%. Yep. Um, and it feels like we're playing catch up. Right, exactly. So I'm glad you pointed that out. All right, last thing. If you had the resources, what would be your dream project? Mm-hmm. So I, this is like a great question and I I'd already know the answer. So if I had unlimited resources and I could do whatever I want, I would just travel across the world throwing parties for black creators, like black podcasters, black hmm. creators, influencers, YouTubers, just like epic parties. I don't know if you've ever, um, I went to a, a Spotify party in, in Vegas at Evolutions and it was just like the most beautiful party I've ever been to. Like the, right, I mean, you right. know how Spotify, they like, everything is decorated well. The food is like, I don't even know where they got this food, but it's like, it's hitting. <laughs> right. uh, and it's like, the music is great. It's the drinks, it's, it's people. And we're just having a good time. Um, and it's like, it's your friends. And it's just like, it feels good it feels really good the only issue i hate and, I, and i've been to like lots of amazing parties this year at different like creator events 
the only thing I wish is that there were more black people, like more of my friends, more of my mm -hmm. people. It's like, we just celebrating, we're all together. And so it's like, that would be my dream. Um, and I'm taking small steps to that. So this um, October, I'm actually partnering with a few brands to throw an event in Atlanta, LA, New York, and DC. Um, and it's just like, you know, it's us, it's mm. a vibe, it's creators. And so just creating safe, safe spaces for us to gather and celebrate one another. That's dope. I think that's definitely achievable because there's plenty of us uh, out there. Yep. Um, so I think it could definitely happen, man. Yeah. I, I uh, being from Atlanta, um, I used to think that there just weren't that many creators, like big YouTubers in Atlanta. And uh, maybe a month ago, I was in LA at VidCon and I ran into so many creators from Atlanta. And I was like, hey, what do you think about the creative scene in Atlanta? And they all said the same thing. They were like, there's so many creators here, specifically podcasters, but there's just no central place for us to like gather together. And so I think that's so needed. That sounds like something we could possibly make happen, right? Yeah. Like this, there, there are festivals that happen yep. for for all kinds of different reasons and gatherings. Yeah, there's no way that there wouldn't be a serious turnout, honestly, in in most of the cities you named alone. Yeah, yep. uh, if if it was done, you know, done right, I should say. Yep. 1000%. Wow. I, I totally uh, agree. Um, and there are, I just want to shout out just for the people listening, just in case you may not know, because I didn't know there are two big, uh, Black podcast communities that everyone should know about. Um, the first is Black Pod Collective. Uh, they're based out of Atlanta, and they also have a festival in Atlanta called Black Pod Fest. It's in September. Uh, mm. They get almost like a thousand people to come each year, so it's like amazing. And then there's another one called Afros and Audio, which is also affiliated with the Black Podcast Association, which is out of New York. They also have an annual festival that takes place around the same time. I think this year it'll be in November in Baltimore. Um, also about a thousand people come and wow. aside from the conferences these are just great communities to be a part of i highly recommend everyone get connected um and so it's just super 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 cool and just before i i uh mm. transition i i'm just curious what your uh your dream project would be too my dream project now i feel like somebody asked me this and i'm going to say something different <laughs> <laughs> so it changes <laughs> yeah i'm a i'm a i'm an aries so you yeah. know it's like you want to do all of it right um but no, for me, it would be uh, I would love to have a production company that supported, mm. you know, creatives in mm -hmm. general. Right. People who want to create and film and literature and podcasting. Right. Yep. Broadcast radio, whatever it may be, um, because I like to create and I like talking to creatives and I like supporting them in any way I can. Uh, even if it's by example. So I, mm. I always kind of wanted to have my own production company that put out quality content, of course, yep. uh, with unique perspectives and, um, you know, just kind of realize the, the dreams of others and the vision yep. of others. So that probably would be my uh, dream project. Oh, I love that. That's such a good one. Lloyd George, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Lloyd George is a content creator and freelance project manager with a passion for empowering creators of color. By day, he manages creative projects for brands like GoPuff, DraftKings, and Chick-fil-A. By night, he dedicates himself to crafting content that amplifies diverse voices. You can find out more about him by following the link 
in the description of this episode. My Little Podcast is produced by yours truly, your host, Steve Ann Smith. This podcast is available on all podcasting platforms. So subscribe, review, and share it with people you know would enjoy this kind of content. Remember, stay productive and follow your passion. Peace. And she said,